Hey, ladies and gents, this is the sixth episode of the Comforts of Crutch podcast. I've got Blake Alma today. He's a 17-year-old who's written several books. Uh, he's got a TV show out there, and he's done uh, some radio, and uh, I'm not going to try to give it all away. I'm sitting here with him right now. Might as well get right to it. How you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Not too bad for uh, whatever day it is. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, July 12th here. Yeah, not too bad for uh, Thursday, I guess. Thursday, yeah. yeah. Well, All right, well, I'm going by fast. Uh, always. Uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about uh, yourself and your book a little bit here that's coming up here on August 1st. Yeah, for sure. Um, my name is Blake. I'm a host of a television show on cable called uh, The Outdoor Experience that airs on the Hunt Channel, which is on Dish, and then it's on the Roku and several other uh, digital platforms. I'm uh, a TV shows on Carbon TV and just some other minor networks as well. But uh, show airs on the Hunt Channel prime time Mondays at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. So awesome stuff there. Our show's an outdoor talk show where we talk to celebrity guests, uh, outdoor guests uh, from from the Duck Dynasty guys to uh, Ted Nugent to Jim and Eva Shockey. If you're hunters, you know who they are. And so it's a really fun show. So before that, I hosted a radio show. And it was practically the same platform, interviewed uh, just different folks. And so uh, it's fun stuff. And then I've uh, been absolutely blessed. I am uh, 17 years old. So um, I have a, a few years. Uh, I'm a little young, but I have uh, some experience to go along with my age. So it's fun stuff there. And then I'm writing a new book, Continental Outdoorsman's Heart, which is a book about my life story, about my faith, and about uh, seeing the outdoors the way I do. And just all the... Um, beneficial experiences that you can get from just being outside so yeah it's a little background uh, about the life of Blake Alma but uh, yeah it's it's fun stuff definitely that's awesome yeah I don't I don't know too many 17 year olds that are writing books and um, really just have that drive like you do that's that was definitely why I brought you on the show it, it definitely uh, piqued my interest yeah man, I appreciate it yeah I, it's um, something that uh, I can't ever describe how much I love it but it's uh, I love doing it, man, and the age has never really been a, a hiccup for me, so I've just always done what I've liked to do. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about how uh, you came to love the outdoors as much as you do? Sure. So, I mean, I talk about this in my book, too. I tell the story. So, um, it was this, excuse me, it was 2013. It was uh, summer. I was at a Christian team camp, and at this Christian Christian team camp it was a very small team camp. There was only about 30 kids, and uh, I was actually the youngest of all the kids that attended this event. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, being the youngest, you always get picked on, you know, and not necessarily bullied in like a, a like like the way people describe bowling on the news, but it's like, you know, you just get picked on, you just get made fun of. And, you know, it didn't bug me at all, but like when we'd go swimming, the boys swim time, I would get dunked and stuff. I didn't enjoy that, so I just chose not to do it. I wasn't gonna do something else. And so they had other activities, so I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, feel bad for Blake type of situation. It's just something I didn't wanna do. Well, one of the counselors happened to notice that, so he took a day off from swimming and asked me if I wanted to go fishing with him at this creek. Well, of course, I said yes. I'd gone fishing once or twice, but this is the first time I really got to experience it. So when I did, you know, and there was just a media you know, reconfiguration of me, and I said, wow, I love this. 
you know, we caught all kinds of fish from bluegill to rock bass. It was just an amazing experience that quite literally changed my life. And that counselor, that his name is Brian May, I didn't see him for, I don't know, two or three years after. And so when I got to see him again, I went up to him and I'm like, dude, man, I got some stories to tell you because you did this and here's what it resulted in. So um, my, my goal in my outdoor career is to get kids back in the outdoors because based upon my own life, I, I think I'm a living example of this. The outdoor outdoors just changed my life and made me a different person. Not only, you know, a better Christian, but it made me a better, um, just a better, have a better character and gave me a better understanding of life and let me focus on the more important things in life rather than being sucked into video games or living a lifestyle that teenagers seem to do in this era that most teenagers don't go down this path that is very godly i'll just use that word like for better words so i think the outdoors is really like a medicine it's like a therapy that makes you so much it just it just opens you up so everybody when, when you come into this world you have a god-given courtesy of which you want to go outdoors you know and whether that that urge has to be nurtured if it's not it will die off and so if you're an outdoorsman listening to this show i encourage you to teach your kids the ways of the outdoorsman from doing something simple and easy like fishing or camping with your kids to making it more difficult from from doing survival skills of setting traps from making primitive traps making these you know traps made from deadfall rock deadfall rocks and when these rocks fall on your hand it hurts you know but it just it builds a character and they love it and i love it and i know you love it too if you're outdoors man then lead that to hunting and then deer hunting and pulling back a 50 pound bow getting that full draw experience and the uh, mythical flight of the arrow when you let go of it you know it's really something else and so raise your kid that way if you didn't and he's 12 13 years old one of the things i have learned is that you can use technology because all kids like technology i like technology my siblings like technology so who doesn't you know so you can use that which they love in order to get them back outdoors and so quite frankly i am a bit i i, I think hunting video games are great i don't really play them but i have and hunting video games, they kill like 50 animals at once, and you get so many gold coins. And sure, that's not how it works in real life. There are laws in place, and you actually have to pay money to go hunt, and you can't sell your deer meat. That's actually illegal. And so it's quite different. But then playing that game will probably make him want to get the real experience, you know? And so um, a, a great there's two great examples I can think of that using technology to get kids back in the outdoors or anybody back in the outdoors. Duck Dynasty. Um, perhaps is probably one of the more, more famous ones. Mm -hmm. Duck Dynasty, you know, they made hunting cool. And um, there's a meme out there that says, we were hunters before Duck Dynasty because it opened <laughs> a gateway for so many, you know, non-hunters to come into this awesome, you know, environment of being in awe of God's creation, harvesting an animal, and then having all this meat, 100 plus pounds of meat in your freezer. It's absolutely awesome. And then do perfect is another prime example. They do hunting and fishing activities and they are huge on YouTube. And so uh, they've made it cool. In fact, Outdoor Life listed Dude Perfect as a, I believe the top fifth, I don't remember what number it was, but in the top 15 most influential hunters in the entire world oh, wow. because of just a couple of videos they have done about hunting. And so I've chosen to go down that path of using technology and my love for the outdoors and incorporating the two 
and trying to get people back outdoors. And uh, it, it, it's, it's fun stuff. So that's the abridged version of uh, everything that I do and what, what I love. And so I could go on all day talking about it. But I'll tell you what, it's, um, it's absolutely fun stuff. Yeah, it sure is. I, uh, it's pretty awesome that you said that uh, fishing was what started it for you because I actually just got back into fishing. My, my dad took me a lot when I was, when I was a kid, and um, I got away from it for a good while. And uh, I finally, a good buddy of mine just started fishing a lot. His, uh, his stepdad took him out on a boat, and it, he said it was the happiest he'd been in, in years. Um, yeah, it's, it's so great to be out on the water, uh, just, you know, listening to the noises of nature. It's a, it's a really good time. Yeah, right on, right on. I, if you have asked me a year ago, I get asked this a lot, do I like hunting or fishing more? And if you would have asked me a year ago, I would probably said I like them equally. If you would have asked me a year and a half ago, I would have said hunting because uh, hunting was just something I was getting into because right. my parents aren't sportsmen, so I've kind of had to educate myself on, uh, on doing these things. And so mm-hmm. I would have said hunting because it was unknown to me. But now that I've experienced both two, I would say almost the fullest, um, I like fishing more. Um, it may have to be because it was my first love in the outdoors, but there's nothing like feeling your line get tugged on, right. fighting that creature, not knowing what it is until you bring it in. And then it could be like a, you know, a little tiny bluegill, and it felt like a giant, you know, four-pound catfish. You could fight a bluegill, fight like nothing else. And so right. that, that experience is so amazing. And so I love fishing, and it's like I could do it all day, and it's just – it's just so fun. I can't quite articulate how amazing it is, but if you've never done it, you know, you're really missing out. Oh, I, I 100% agree. I'm so glad I got back into it. it it's been too long. I, uh, I think we've gone out fishing like four or five times in the last couple of weeks. Um, me, yeah. me and my good buddy, it, it's been great. Um, another, what are you fishing for? Uh, whatever. I mean, I, I've been mostly, uh, using, uh, worms just because, uh, it's been so long since I fished. I'm getting, trying to get used to casting, bringing it in, taking the fish off all the, you know, standard stuff that I should know how to do real well. And I just want to make sure I get back into the habit. Um, There's all these different avenues of fishing from fly fishing to bait casting to, you know, bow fishing too. You have, and you, you, there's deep sea fishing, freshwater fishing, you have all these different categories. And uh, I'm mostly a freshwater fisherman. I just use a normal bait casting reel. Mm-hmm. And um, all I use, I have artificial baits, a ton of them, and I will fish with them if it's slow. But I fish with a, 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 a natural worm. In fact, I have a worm bin. I have about 2,000 plus worms to raise my own worms that I catch. I fish all the time. Wow. It's cheaper just to raise your own. Of course. People think that's like, oh, man, you're not a real fisherman. Well, of course I am. I'm using the most natural bait possible. And sure, I don't know necessarily what fish I'm going to catch. When I use a lure, I'm quite confident here in Ohio that I'm going to reel in a bass. But when I'm using a worm, I could catch a bluegill, crappie, a catfish, carp, or, you know, bass, or any of that. I could catch really anything. anything yeah. And so I like that, like not knowing what I'm going to catch. And uh, it's just... And I don't have to worry about losing my lure either. So, no, I, mean, it's a exactly. so I like fishing with a worm. So there is no, uh, you should take zero shame in fishing with a worm. Cause that's all, that's really all I did. Now if it's slow on a worm, I'll use a, I'll, I'll, I'll have my uh, worm poles in the water that I'll stand up and fish with, you know, my, my bait caster or whatever, uh, using a Rapala lure or something, or using a worm or a frog or a jig or something like that. Yeah. And so, I, it's just it's just so I can talk about it all day, but uh, it's fun stuff. So I'm glad you're getting back into it. 
Yeah, no, I. Uh, it, it's interesting you said that you can uh, catch pretty much anything because I caught um, a couple bluegill, uh, a couple sunnies, and uh, I caught a pike. Um, I caught a, a smallmouth bass. It, it, it really was like I, I think I caught eleven fish that day. We went out. We went out at like uh, five in the morning. Everything was biting when we got there. It was crazy. That's why I love using worms because you can catch really anything. And you know, for somebody that's just getting in the outdoors, like. And they don't know anything about fish, and you take them out fishing for like the first time, like, oh, what fish is this? What fish is this? It's a really educational experience for them. And it's just, it's super fun, you know. And so um, I've never, I've never caught in a smallmouth bass in my life. I know of, I could have caught one when I was young, but I wasn't able to identify it. But right. then uh, we don't really have many here in the Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we had tons of largemouth, and I love catching them things. And then we went down to Florida in April, I caught the biggest bass of my life. It wasn't that huge it was like 6.9 pounds or oh, something wow. it was it was an awesome experience decent but, um, size i've never caught to the pike either and so um yeah, a, uh, that would be fun and so i don't think it, though i've caught in a walleye it's the only tooth creature i've ever caught but um i really i'm a big pan fisherman because i love bluegill and the lake i fish at, i really stay on this one i go I, i'll fish other lakes when i have the opportunity but i go to this one and all i do is catch bluegill and crappie because at this lake, they don't let you keep bass, and they don't let you keep four catfish, and the catfish there anything to brag about when you when you catch one pretty small. And so I'll catch you know 40, 50 bluegill a day uh, at this lake, and then you know I have a good meal for a few people, and then I have so much bluegill meat in the freezer right now. And so I love I, I love it. I think bluegill is amazing. I actually bake my bluegill. I don't fry it or deep fry it. I bake it. I put Parmesan cheese with some breading and some spice on it. And I olive oil, and then I put it in the oven. And I just bake it for like 20 minutes, and it's absolutely amazing. So anyway, fishing's awesome, and I know uh, we, we got to move on to the next topic. But uh, yeah. if you haven't gone fishing, you're um, there, there's nothing, in my opinion, that man can bring to you that's better than fishing, and so uh, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely couldn't agree more. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you to uh, change the subject here. Um, there, there's haters in everybody's life, uh, especially those who are, are successful or becoming successful. Um, I'm sure that you have them. Uh, I, I definitely scrolled through your page a little bit, and I saw a couple of them, uh, to be yeah. quite honest, with the, in the comments. How, how do you keep stuff like that from you know getting you down? Um, you know, one of the things I like to think about is the fact that they would, those people who are commenting on my page uh, would never say that to me face-to-face. Right. Um, there's this comfort of, you know, hiding behind a screen and saying these words and not really worrying about any, uh, you know, anything negative coming back to you, any repercussions at all when you say something. And the reason I know that, because I've done stuff like that too, which I regretfully have done so. And right. so, um, and because you're, of you're that, young. it doesn't, it doesn't hurt me as much. I mean, I did when I first began, it doesn't hurt me as much because I know for a fact if they ran into me in real life, they might think something negatively, but they most certainly wouldn't say, you know, go F yourself or something, you know. Right. They wouldn't they wouldn't do that. Or they wouldn't say go kill yourself. You know, they they, they say stuff like that. And yeah. so whether it's vegans, anti hunters, or even, you know, I'm just gonna go here, there's a lot of liberals that um I don't wanna get too political, but that's because I'm, I'm pretty conservative for a seventeen year old. And right. that call me these horrible things and I'm just like whoa man okay you know i mean 
they're like uh, one of my favorites is like when they call me like you're some nobody punk kid i'm like if i'm a nobody punk kid why are you stalking me on facebook dude you know i mean how did you find me you know right it's just like of course you wouldn't say that to me in real life but so why would you say that here you know i avoid like cruel name calling uh, because i think four-year-olds do that so when people i will i respond to people who comment on my page and have you know a valid point who do not call me this or that but say like i'm generally interested i mean i am genuinely interested in your response or something you know they're being civil and i'll respond to stuff like that and we'll have a fine conversation i have no issues with that but the second they start calling you this or that their opinion goes right out the window because you know why would I want to talk to you if you're going to call me this or that? Why would I want? Why would I want to try to reason with you or even meet in the middle or agree to disagree if you're just going to call me these horrible things? So there's a comfort to me that I can lay back and think about it. Then, as you know, comfort's a crutch. And so yeah. um, if I ignore it, you know, I think the issue gets worse. And so I've chosen to attack it. I've, I've talked. I have a chapter about anti-hunters and veganism in my book called An Outdoorsman's Harassment. That, that's the name of the chapter, the name of the book, and it's An Outdoorsman's Heart. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I tackle and I take on the subject of veganism and why veganism, not all vegans who call themselves vegans believe in this veganistic cult of which, you know, if you kill animals, you're going to hell or something retardedly stupid or something weird like that. But there are a lot of vegans that, like, well, say go kill yourself because you killed this animal, which doesn't make any sense because their goal is to protect life, and yet they're telling me to go kill myself. And so they're putting that animal life above my life, and so they're putting animal life over human life. So it's just like, whoa, 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 what, what's going on here? And the fact is, you can never be a vegan because your very existence as a human being kills animals. I talk about this in my book a bit, and I go into really deep detail. I try to be super civil and, and kind about it. But I'm just a lot of vegans will harass me like, oh, dude, you're such a jerk. I'm just being passionate about the situation. I'm not mad at anybody. I just, you know, I'm, kind of, I'm frustrated at the situation of why they think the way they think. And so the common sense, it's just common sense because your house that you live in, that I live in, used to belong to an animal. It used to be an animal's habitat. And the number one killer of wildlife is, in fact, habitat loss. So when a vegan goes to the grocery store and buys produce and groceries and all their veggie stuff that tastes horrible, because I've tried some of it, it's like, I had vegan bacon. It was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> I had dog, a dog bacon almost tasted better than the vegan bacon. And so, anyway, where does that food come from? It comes from thousands and thousands of acres of land that that is grown on. And that land used to be inhabited by animals. And so you stole their land in order to eat, which kills them because the number one killer is habitat loss because the lack of places to be able to get their own food and not being injured by humans for nuisance nuisance reasons. And so, you know, there's no such thing as a real vegan because you're existing. So if you really want to be a vegan, you could go lock yourself up in a cage or something, but then you're stealing a bat's habitat. So, you know, there's really there's really nowhere you could go where you're not hurting animals. And so uh, there's no there's no reasoning with veganism. And the only reason why it exists is it's, it's a feel-good thing. This makes them – it's like uh, the religion of sorts. The Bible talks about this. They chose to serve the creature more than the creator. And so um, I talk about that in my book too. And so that's what I think that is. So that's, that's the veganism, anti-hunting 
harassment. But I, I, I'll go into a little detail with the with the liberal harassment. Um, I, a lot of it has come recently because I made a post about Colin Kaepernick. That's an inside joke of my favorite. Colin Kaepernick um, about the the NFL dealing, and I acknowledge the fact that it is in fact his right to kneel during the anthem it is his american right to do so and i acknowledge that in the post and liberals choose choose to ignore that but that's it is what it is and even though i disagree and think it's horribly disrespectful they he has that right to do so and i will not deny that he does have that right he's absolutely entitled to do that but it's horribly disrespectful so what i said in this it was a picture of uh, colin standing on top of this um it's a Photoshop picture, but it's Colin standing on top of this platform being held by a few hundred soldiers that have died for that right. And I said, I said, I'm so glad that our soldiers are dying for for this punk and the fell star, something like that, um, to 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 kneel and disrespect the flag. Me acknowledging in that post that he has the right to do so, but you know, it's disrespectful. That's my opinion. You know. And liberals, for whatever reason, ignored the fact that I acknowledge that is his right and went on and saying blah, 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 and just started saying horrible things. And they started trolling my page. You'll see, like, I just made a post about Michelle Wolf and her awful comment. I won't go into that right now, but um, I made a post about that. And if you're up to date with current events, you know what I'm talking about. But I had some people who were trolling and they commented and said some of their awful opinions. So most of the time I just delete and block. But um, when they ha- when it's such a stupid comment, when it's a really dumb comment, I'll leave it there for people to see and be like, wow, can people be this stupid? Or if it's a if it's a civil comment, I'll leave it there too and, and see how that how that goes. And if it gets nasty, I'll delete it. And so, you know, I, I've learned to take on a lot of this um, anti-Blake, well, I'll just use the word anti-Blake harassment. Uh, whether that's uh, liberal harassment or uh, anti-hunting harassment, I've, I've, I've took it on and, you know, just accepted it because it exists. Um, and, I, and I've let it, you know, be a part of my life that does define me that I, I'm a Christian outdoorsman that is also pretty political. Um, I've taken on that because you being an outdoorsman, it's pretty hard to, being a public outdoorsman, it's pretty hard to avoid um, being not political it's pretty hard to to avoid that because the outdoors kind of revolves around politics because the the government dictates what you hunt and don't hunt and how many limits and how many deer you can kill and and so forth and so you have these limits and so it's kind of hard to take away from that then to add to that the outdoor industry um as a whole 98 plus percent of the industry is pretty conservative and so that being all said, it's really hard for you to avoid politics and work publicly in this industry that I'm in. And so it's came along with it. So I've accepted it and have taken on the challenge to prove the people who harass me that, uh, that they are in fact wrong civilly and say, hey, listen up, here's why you're wrong. And whether they accept the fact that they're wrong or not is entirely up or I've proven them to be absolutely incorrect, especially when it comes to anti-hunting and stuff. So liberals do have sometimes valid arguments that, you know, make sense. And I understand why they believe that I can't necessarily prove some of their arguments to be wrong. But um, some of them are, like uh, 
you know, when I, when I, like Trump's a complete moron. Well, obviously not. He's not worth $3.3 billion for being stupid, you know? And so stuff like that. But I'm not, I'm not going to get too political here. So anyway, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that uh, your title of your podcast is impeccable. It goes with everything that I do. Comfort is a crutch. If I just lay back and ignore it, you know, it's going to get worse. And then who is going to fight this madness? And so... Uh, you're absolutely right. Comfort is a crutch. And so if we get too relaxed with life, you know, um, something could come in and uh, sweep us by our feet. So um, I, I'm just taking it on. It's ignoring. It's very annoying. I, I mean, it's um, it really sucks, honestly. Like some of the things that people say, like I'll read it and be like, wow, okay. And I, the worst is when they either bring up my God, my, my faith in them, like, like start harassing me for that, or my age, it kind of sucks. But the worst is when they like bring up my parents, or like, your parents are a bunch of knuckle, knuckleheads for doing this or that. And of course, it's a lot worse than saying the word knucklehead. Right. And so, um, and my parents have nothing to do with my outdoor work. So it's just like, okay, well, um, I developed these thoughts on my own, so, and uh, I've actually acted on it and made a name off of what I've tried to do. And so your point's really invalid. And so I don't know why you have to say something like that. So it hurts. It really does. But, um, I, I try to push through it and fight the antis and uh, move on and continue doing what I love and join the outdoors. Yeah. W- one thing that I have noticed too, is, uh, they're, uh, not all anti hunters or even vegan. I I've, um, talked to people who beaten a cheeseburger that, um, that are like, oh, I can't believe that someone would hunt. They, they must really take joy in killing a deer. Uh, what kind of sadistic person would want to kill an innocent animal and blah, blah, blah. And they're eating these factory farm burgers that, you know, it's, yeah. instead of going out and, and, and uh, taking their, getting, you know, earning their own meat. Uh, it's well, just at least, insane. See, here's, here's a positive thing I can say about veganism. At least they're trying to be, you know, trying to do what they believe in. I'll give them that. You know, that's a, that's the only admirable thing that I can say about veganism. I'll give them that. Okay, um, it's a false hope. It's not going to do them anything because I mean, like I said, your existence prove, prove your existence kills animals. So you know, it's, it's entirely pointless. But let's move on past that. So with the anti hunters, that's why I call on people who are anti hunting yet you know still eat burgers and stuff so that's i refer to them as anti-hunters anti-hunters who are against you know me going out and shooting a deer while they eat a big cheeseburger or a hot dog or you know eating tilapia and the funny thing is when you really think about it okay you have you have manufacturing farming and then you have hunters okay there's a big debate manufacturing farming the way it is is it wrong and unethical yes it's unethical it's not the most humane thing in the world it's you, you see some of these videos and most of them are very over exaggerated it's not quite that bad it's the ones that vegans try to promote to to, to get their agenda out but is it I, i'm not going to be the guy that says it's right or wrong and uh, if there's a more effective way to do it that's less uh inhumane let's go for it you know but i don't think there is henceforth you know the American population relies on that food. And if, if that's the way they have to do it, you know, in order for us to eat, right, I don't see an issue with that because I think um, and if that's the only way, if there's another way, do it, please do. But if it's the only way to do it is through manufacturing farming and being somewhat inhumane in order to help hum- humans survive and eat and live well, I'm, I, I'm not going to sit there and, and get all mad about it because – it's helping us, and the Bible says we have dominion over the animals, and that they are ours to keep. And so, um, 
and if you believe in evolution or whatever, um, we are the top of the food chain. We're the ones that evolved, whatever. It's pure rubbish. But uh, if you believe that, we're the ones who have made it to the top of the food chain and that we're the smartest ones. And that. So if we're the, the strongest and the, the, we, we survive for all the fittest, if we're the greatest of all of them, why don't we have that right? Plus, there's no God to say right and wrong. So how could that be wrong? There's no there's no standard for right and wrong besides our own mind. So, you know, it's either or, whether you're an atheist or believe in God, all of whatever religions are out there, um, it doesn't matter because we are, in fact, the greatest source of life ever among all species. And so the Bible proves itself through off creation so all those other examples are uh, i can prove wrong i can't prove god but i can prove those to be wrong because that's why it's called faith so i can't prove god but i can prove atheism and all these other you know religions to be false you know and so i think the devil loves religion hence there's so many religions out there and confuses everybody and nobody knows which one to choose and so i just go with what the bible says and i can go into detail why the bible is absolutely factual but i'm not gonna do that here that's what my book's for so put that aside so animals so you have hunters, and then you have animal, uh, then you have manufactured farming. All right, so let's just say animal manufacturing is inhumane. Then you have hunting, okay? Let's think about what uh, farming animals entails. All right, the animal is born, forced born, okay? It's the, the, they, they impregnate the mother, or whatever you want to call it, the, the, the offspring, the, I don't know, the parental offspring. There's some scientific term for this kind of stuff and so then you have the baby that it's born and it's raised in captivity its entire life in a small isolated area at least that's what the vegans videos uh, state so you have these you have these animals growing up in captivity their entire life being forced what to eat forced what to do forced how to live their lives in capti captivity all right does not get to live its life to the fullest out in the wild meanwhile hunters when we go out, we get to harvest an animal that's had plenty of children, that has had its life, that has enjoyed the wonders of this just going and, you know, trailing through the forest and all of nature, has lived its life for a few years and has big antlers and has done what it needs to do to, pat, uh, to have offspring and the animal has lived its life to the absolute fullest. And then... You're in the tree stand. You see the, you see this buck, and you shoot it with an arrow that has a huge broad, broad head on it, and that pierces the animal, goes through the heart, out the other side, and the animal's dead in four seconds, five seconds, tops, bleeds out in seconds. So the anti-hunter is incredibly hypocritical because they think it's the most inhumane thing, most unethical thing in the entire world to hunt, even though the animal only has four seconds of pain, if that. Meanwhile, this other animal is raised in captivity its entire life, inhumanely, if, if you think it's inhumane, in captivity, being forced to what to do, and yet they're eating it now. They paid their fair share to eat that burger. I didn't pay. I didn't, what I paid to go hunting was to save more animals, to have more habitat. Um, when you buy a hunting license, it costs this much money. When you buy a tag, it costs this much money. That money goes into... Habit, goes into ha habitat management, it goes into wildlife funds, it goes into uh, public lands, it goes into everything that keeps animals alive and well today in the wild. Meanwhile, when you are an anti-hunter and you spend money on a cheeseburger, you know, that goes right back to the manufacturing and farming 
to kill more animals. So when you think about that logic, you know, you either have to go full out like a vegan, even though a vegan, no matter no matter what, you can't be a true vegan, or you can just accept hunting. You have to choose one or the other. You can't be in the middle like these anti-hunters because you're incredibly, incredibly hypocritical. Veganism is still hypocritical, but you're even more hypocritical when you're in the middle saying, well, anti-hunting's wrong, but I think it tastes good. Meat does, I mean, it tastes amazing. Meat tastes amazing. So you can't be in the middle thinking that hunting, oh, it's horrible. Why would somebody go do this? Meanwhile, you're eating a cheeseburger. You know, you can't be in the middle. You just can't. And so I know I went to great depth there uh, into that conversation. I went all over the place, but... The thing is, you, you just can't be there. And so those people who exist are the most hypocritical among – they're more hypocritical than vegans, and those are the type of people that I, I, I don't understand. I like vegans more than I like these people because these people are incredibly hypocritical. Now, I hate it when a vegan says, go kill yourself because that's also hypocritical. I mean it's just this anti-hunting, non-killing animal you know, community is so false. People – People for the ethical treatment of animals or the American Humane Society is a horrible company. If you go look on their Facebook, on their, you know, on their pages, they put, they say some really awful stuff, like just, you know, profane, horrible, godless content, you know, just horrible stuff, you know. And so I don't know how you can live with yourself threatening another human being or, you know, insulting, harassing another human being for hunting even though you're all about you know life you want you nobody deserves to die meanwhile you're threatening somebody else's life or harassing someone for their right to hunt so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and so i go in great detail about that i mean that's probably the number one topic people will talk about with me on, on radio shows because that's one of the things that's come to find me uh, like i said came along with the outdoor package but um you know it's uh it's interesting. I don't understand why people have to do this. It's an attention thing, feel-good thing, and, uh, you know, it would just mean so much more to me if you would just leave me alone. I don't comment on your page when you post something. Like, when I see something, I'm pro-life. When I see something that's, um, you know, pro-choice, I don't comment on that person's page and call them these horrible names. I ignore it. I just move on. I don't say anything. You know, I'm not going to debate them because neither of us are going to change our minds. So what's the point in debating? And so... I don't understand why people have to do that, why they have to go on my Facebook page or anybody's Facebook page for that matter and post their incredibly biased opinion calling people this or that. Now, if somebody makes a comment that's civil and they show a valid point, you know, you should respond and be respectful back. And so there's a point in time I don't see why somebody should debate with somebody if neither party is willing to change their mind. And so... When a vegan comes on my page and starts harassing me, they're not going to change my mind, and they know that. And I'm not going to change their mind. They know that, and I know that. So what's the point in having a conversation that has has F-bombs and C-words and all these horrible, profane words in it? What's the point? So anyway, it's um, it's super unfortunate that uh, stuff like that exists. And it's not just with the outdoor party. It's also with politics and stuff. So it's uh, it's... It's really, um, it's really sad, but if you ignore it, it's just going to get worse and it's going to build up and, uh, you know, there was a, there was a lady in Spain who was a hunter. She got so many anti-hunting comments, she actually committed suicide. So it's funny to me that 
you know, left are like anti-bully and stuff, and yet they do just that, whether they're vegans or, you know, people who want to stop my page and call me Hitler and whatnot or Nazi because I'm white-ringed. And so, you know, they exist. And so you have to stand up for what you believe in. So I admire the left for standing up for what they believe in, but they do it so, so wrong and so, so cruel that I'm just like, why? And don't get me wrong, the right does that too, but we don't, I don't think we do it as bad. There's some things on Fox News that I'm like, okay, that wasn't cool that you said that. And then there's stuff on CNN, I'm like, oh, that's really not cool that you said that. So it's just imbalance. Like most par- parties have this super biased, cruel behavior seems to me this is just my opinion that the left has it a lot more that they're trying they have the right to freedom of speech but we conservatives don't you know and so like roseanne said this horrible comment and she got fired but then you know the view says all this horrible stuff and they're not getting fired and so you know it just it doesn't make a lot of sense and so i know i could i could cover this topic all day but um it's it's very interesting so stand up for what you believe in in a very civil kind way no matter what you believe in and so um, and then i have the right to find it wrong and then i can civilly tell you hey here's why i think you're wrong and point out validly what why i think you're wrong and so you have that right i have that right i don't have a right to call you this or that or say i wish you to die or stuff i don't think that's something we should do and so um yeah it's it's interesting stuff yeah, for sure. I wanted to get back to hunting for just a moment, uh, specifically because um, I've talked to a lot of hunters, and most hunters that I've spoken to have a, a great respect for the outdoors and, and especially the animals that they're hunting. Um, a lot of anti-hunters, the the biggest thing they have to say is that um, you know hunters take joy in the kill and they just they they're you know there's something wrong with their heads. They just want to kill these innocent animals. But I feel like um, most hunters that I've met and spoken to. Uh, just have this utmost respect for the animals that they're hunting, and when when they do kill an animal, Absolutely. it's it's more of a, um, it, I mean, there's an adrenaline pump when you're about to shoot. I'm sure I I've never shot a deer, but I, I have to imagine there's a huge adrenaline pump. But I mean, it's not like yes, I killed it. It's more like I'm glad we got to have this experience together, me and this animal, uh, as opposed to like, oh man, I killed this animal. I can't wait to kill another animal. You know, it's not it's not like that. Oh, um, for sure. What it is, so, so there, there's a saying among the hunting community, if you don't have remorse, you're not a hunter. Now, I actually disagree with that statement. I'll tell you why in a second. But there's no denying when you're a hunter and you take a life, you know, there's, at first, it's a great excitement because you put in all this hard work and effort and money and time to harvest that animal and your harvest paid off. And then now you can stock your freezer with 60 pounds of deer meat. Absolutely amazing. And so... Now, I have a gratefulness um, when I kill an animal or when I catch a fish or whenever I have this huge gratefulness. And it's not necessarily toward the animal because the animal's dead. It doesn't really matter. I'm incredibly grateful to God because he created that animal, that individual animal for me to harvest. When it was born, before, when, before, the, before we were created, God planned that animal to be meat for me. You play in that individual animal. Well, when there's a fish, so the 50 fish I catch, every time I go fish, almost every time, <laughs> I don't catch that many every time, but when I do, every single one of those 50, God planned for me to catch that fish. And so I sometimes catch fish, and their hook gets so lodged down on their throat, they die. And I acknowledge that that fish just died for me, for me to catch it and then eat it, you know? And um, 
I, you know, you can be grateful to the animal, but it's not going to do you anything because the animal's dead, you know? So I've never understood that. I understand the remorse that some hunters have. I don't have a sorrow because I'm grateful for it. I'm happy for it. I'm, I, I'm not sad about it. I'm thankful that God gave me this right, as it says in Genesis 9-3, that I can go out and harvest me. And then it's also a constitutional right. And so I have no sorrow for that. I am not sorry for being a hunter. I'm not necessarily sorry for taking an animal's life, but I am incredibly grateful for that animal's life, that God gave me that flesh and blood to be meat for me. And so I'm grateful, not sorry. I'm the exact opposite of sorry. I'm incredibly grateful. So some hunters say that hunters can't be hunters if they don't have remorse. I strongly disagree with that because I don't have sorrow. I'll tell you what, I'm a hunter. I've made quite an impression, I guess, uh, on the hunting community. And so, um, but I understand, I understand why they say that. But, you know, when you think about it, it doesn't also make a lot of sense. But yes, there's this, there's this mixed feeling. There's excitement and then there's this, other feeling that I can't quite describe for me it's a it's a gratitude that for other hunters it could that might be a sorrow I, I I don't necessarily understand that sorrow but um it's for me it's a gratitude so there's this after feeling that's like that's it's a positive feeling I just don't know how to describe it yeah you're right it could be for me it's gratitude for another hunter it could be remorse I don't know I don't I, I don't understand remorse in hunting but you shouldn't be sorry for being a hunter but you should be grateful and so yeah no I, I, I know what you're talking about people they, there's a there's a second emotion that I'm not sure every hunter's different but for me it's it, it's definitely thankfulness and so it's it's definitely um it's it's something that anti-hunters don't understand that hunters do have this you know respect for life I'm not going to just going to shoot an animal because I can if I'm going to shoot an animal I'm either going to keep keep it for some reason whether it's me using it for food or resources like fur or bone marrow or something like this. I've never kept that animal from bone marrow, but uh, people do. Um, I, I'm going to be resourceful with the animal. Or I'm going to recycle some of the, once I skin an animal and keep the meat and keep the fur, all the guts and stuff, I sometimes reuse that for bait to catch more animals. I have a friend that I actually give my guts to, like fish guts to. He uses it for fertilizer. So I try to be as efficient as possible with the animals. I'm not going to waste anything if I can't, if I have a way to use it. So being wasteful is horrible. And I think that's, I don't know if it's a sin, but I think it's wrong for you to be slothful with, with, with what God's given you, wasting resources. And so um, anti-hunters don't understand that. Um, we are, in fact, being incredibly resourceful and grateful for the animal that just gave its life uh, for us to eat. And so... Um, it, it definitely exists. Yeah, I um, I don't believe I've ever heard anybody uh, use the word the words grateful and, and thankful, uh, but I, I certainly understand it, and it's a, a stark contrast to just excitement for having killed something. Um, oh, for sure. And you specifically went into detail about how you make sure to use all of it, and that's probably the, one of the most respectful things you could do for the animal, um, as opposed to what's done with them in the factory farming setting. Uh, if when you're yeah. when you're when you're hunting them. Uh, every hunter that I've spoken to um, on a regular basis has said that they they utilize everything they can. That they try not to let anything go to waste, and and I think that's a huge, huge yeah, difference. Yeah, actually, real quick story. I remember that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know when, and I believe I don't know if you know Stephen Ranella is. He's a hunting show on Netflix. He's one of the more famed hunters. I've never gotten to talk to him, but he's one of the most articulate hunters probably ever in my opinion if i had to choose like the president of the hunting community i would vote for him and so um I, I, he told a story that you know you've heard of have you heard of chronic wasting disease yes 
so it's like a disease among deer, and they're not entirely sure how they get it, but it existed. Uh, it's called the mad cow disease among, among cattle. So they think it has to do with cannibalism. It has some elements, because humans got it too. And um, they would take some of the parts for when they slaughtered a cow, they would take the guts and all the parts that they eat and reuse it for fertilizer in the grass that the cows ate. So in a weird way, they were being cannibals. And they believe that's how the mad cow disease got started. And so they did try at a point with manufacturing farming to use everything, but obviously didn't result. All it did was result in killing animals. It, it exists among cannibalism among human beings. Like these tribes would eat, like when they died, it was like a custom for them to eat. You know, it's disgusting, but they ate each other. And yeah. it started, I don't remember the name for it among humans, but it happened in like some tribe. So deer have it now real bad in some states, not here in Ohio. What, what, what state are you in? Uh, New York. New York? No, it's, I think it's completely, it was in New York. I could be wrong. It was in New York, but they cleared it out. It's gone, a chronic wasting disease. And so New York is one of those super awesome success stories with deer. I'm pretty sure it was New York. It could have been New Jersey. I don't remember which one, but I'm pretty sure it was New York. And so uh, that's how that's how that got started. But uh, anyway, that was a side note. But it's really interesting stuff to think about that. You know, you can be resourceful, but um, there's a point in the time where you just can't. And that's one of the situations that you can't. You can't just reuse the fertilizer uh, and feed it back to cows. You know, there's some like with hunters some hunters like you can't you can't do this or you can't you can't eat the intestines you know right. and sometimes you have to throw the intestines out there's nothing you can do with it so there's a point in time where you can't do anything with something so with anti-hunters like oh man well this guy wasn't this guy didn't use the you know this or that and we're like well he couldn't have there's nothing for him to use it for you know now i don't have any use for for fish when, when the guts i don't have a use for it but i give it away because i can't i have an opportunity to use it for something that's not for me but for someone else i want to take advantage of that trying to be respectful of god's resources so um there's a point in time but anyway that's just a side note that's interesting stuff i love talking about you know some of the like science and the outdoors and how to eliminate chronic waste and disease and stuff i, I listen to a lot of other hunting podcasts and they talk about stuff like that but um it, it's fun stuff as well yeah, I definitely listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff that I find interesting. I listen to a lot of science podcasts as well. Uh, oh, yeah. They delve into lots of uh, really interesting things. Um, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you was uh, was about how, how you feel after you're in the outdoors uh, specifically. I, um, I definitely feel more clear-headed after I go fishing or uh, I'd like to do a lot of trail runs and go on hikes. Um, a lot of people believe that being in the outdoors has like a meditative quality to it, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. For sure, like I said about you know when I harvest animal, there's a there's a gratitude. So I already t- tackled that, but yeah, I don't have to go out there and harvest an animal for me to have this spiritual reconfiguration within me while I go outdoors. Um, we have I don't, have you have you ever been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee? I have not. Okay, you know where it's at though, right? Smoky Mountains. Yes. Okay. We'll go down there as a family. We we go to a couple of vacation spots. We go down to Orlando. We go down to Gatlinburg. And um, we went uh, sometime in August once uh, to Gatlinburg, and it was absolutely amazing. I would rather go to Gatlinburg than Orlando, okay? That's just me because I love nature. Yeah. I went hiking. Oh, man, this just hearing the, the, the creeks roll by and hearing the wind brush through the trees and the birds sing, the sun uh, just shine through the trees and getting that cool colors and the, the rainbows that come from the waterfall it, it's something that 
if I, I, I can't even demonstrate it enough in words to explain how amazing it is. You have to experience it for yourself. And you don't have to shoot an animal to, to get that. You just have to be out there. And it definitely cleans your mind. So I can assure you for my own life of going outdoors and being an outdoorsman and keeping busy in my career and stuff that revolves around God and his creation, it, with no doubt it has kept me from some bad things. And so I've seen what people who are my age have done some horrible things that I know. All right. The grace of God allowed me to find the outdoors. And man, I haven't really had any, I, I haven't had any issues. And now I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because I'll credit God. But the outdoors does that. The Bible says in Job 37, 14, and you have to read the context to fully understand. It says, hearken to this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Job, the book of Job, Job lost everything. He lost his family, his cattle, his riches, his land. He lost everything. All right? And he was mourning. He was he was, whore. He was like, terrified. He was, he was saddened. And all he did was he cried and wept. He didn't sin. He never sinned. The Bible said he did that which was right. But he was sad. Who would be sad, you know? And But then Elihu, a buddy of his, told him, stand still. Stop what you're doing and consider the wondrous works of God. And the wondrous works of God are, in fact, the wondrous works of his creation. And so, um, you know, it's it's absolutely mind-boggling. It's nothing that I can ever tell you how I feel because of what you feel is different. But you feel so much clear-headed when you go out there and just think about, just life, and it's something that God put into the outdoors that gave us power for the outdoors that somehow does that. And so um, it, it, it's amazing. And so hunters get it when they just sit there in a deer stand. They don't have to kill an animal. They sit there in a deer stand. They just hear it all. They hear just everything in the wrestling grass. There's this song called In My Father's World. Uh, in the wrestling grass, I hear him pass. Referring to God, when I'm in creation, I see God. When I see a building, I know there's a builder. If I told you my house is poofed here by chance, you'd laugh your head off. Same thing with creation. When, when I see the creation, I know there's a creator. So it's just, it's absolutely amazing. So I talk about that a bit in my book, but there's no way for me to be able to tell you what it's like. You have to experience for yourself. So go to your closest, you know, state park or, you know, wooded area. When I say a park, don't go to like, you know, a field where there's soccer fields, you know, and a playground. Go into the wilderness. It's absolutely amazing. This Tuesday, I'm going to Hawking Hills, which is a beautiful scenery here in Ohio. I've never been, but there's waterfalls. And I've seen legendary things about it. And I'm going for the first time on Tuesday. I'm absolutely stoked. In fact, I had an interview on Tuesday. I, had a, I canceled it so that I could go do that. And so it's so amazing. And so find your local local nearest state park where there's a lot of scenery. You can just Google it and go see it for yourself. And so um, if you ever sit feeling down or grumpy or something horrible happened in your life, the best thing you can do is not to go lay in your bed and try to sleep it out. That's not going to work. Is to go outdoors clear your mind and meditate on the things that are right and so um it's truly amazing and stunning what the outdoors does to you and so hope i can be living proof of that and so it's it's amazing and so i don't know what to say about that it's just i can't i can't tell you i cannot tell you i can't i cannot put put enough passion to trying to tell you to be able to even cover one percent of how amazing it is and so 
if you live in the concrete jungle, I don't know where in New York you live at, but if you live in the concrete jungle of New York uh, City, you know, you might want to escape. So if the nearest thing you have is Central Park, enjoy Central Park, you know, all right? You enjoy that, you know? It's not going to be the same as going to the Great Smoky Mountains and going to the top of Clemens Dome, the highest mountain in, in Tennessee. It won't be the same, but that will be, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll clean your mind better than you would in, you know, in the grocery store, sleeping in your bed or watching Netflix. And so it's something that's absolutely amazing. And so um, I can't tell you. It's just awesome stuff. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm actually from western New York, and I, I'm uh, glad to say that we've got plenty of parks. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Letchworth State Park. Uh, they call it the Grand Canyon of the East is, is something they call it. Um, it's beautiful you there. You live in the much – New York, the, the mainland of New York, you don't really hear much about it. No. Uh, from my understanding, never been. It's very beautiful. Yeah. And so uh, never never been. Uh, this is just stuff I've heard, um, like the northern California, even though the southern part is kind of, you know – They'd be very anti-Blake if I went there. If I went to New York, they'd be New York City. I'd be anti-Blake. But if I went to the northern parts or the the better half of California or better half of New York that nobody ever talks about, I've heard legendary things about it. And so um, I don't know. I, I I would love to visit one day. Um, I, I love to travel, and so I'm going down to Arkansas in August to the Ozark Mountains. And so um, just going to these different places is really just a great way. And so you don't have to spend money to do the stuff. State parks are most of the time free. Uh, here we have uh, we have um, we have county parks, and our county parks here in Cincinnati are absolutely amazing for just being county parks. I mean, they're really nice. Like they have they have little waterfalls and creeks and nature trails. I mean, it's not again, it's not like the Smoky Mountains by any means, but quite amazing for you know these parks so i'm sure you have i'm sure people have them in their areas just like yourself and so um you just gotta you gotta do some research so it's there's just amazing places out there that um you're really missing out a lot of um hunters disagree on me with this i think beaches can be an amazing place to visit and clear your mind out like oh my mom actually one time said well you being an outdoorsman wouldn't think you like beaches i'm like what is that supposed to mean? The beach is outdoors. What? Right. You know? And so, I mean, I'm not going to go to some super crowded beach like Cocoa Beach or whatever. But, you know, going to a beach, even, I mean, I mean if it's crowded, it's crowded. It's so enjoy what you got. But beaches are amazing. Just hearing the seagulls and the waves crash and the wind passing through you. Like, when I, sometimes when, when, like, I'm, like, you know, when I'm on a flight or something where I'm, like, I'm stuck indoors or something, I could, you know, I'll go to YouTube and, like, Google sounds. You know, whether it's ocean noises or nature noises of being in the woods and stuff, do that. And you can kind of imagine yourself in that situation. Technology is a great way to experience the outdoors. And so that's why I was talking about that a little bit earlier. Earlier is like using video games to get kids back in the outdoors. It's a great way. Technology is a great way to experience a piece, just a little taste of the outdoors. So it's amazing stuff. I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just I could go on and on and on and on trying to tell you, but you know I can't because it's something that you have to experience for yourself. It's it's truly amazing. I like what you said about beaches too. I, I actually remember I had just um, so I graduated. I, I went. I was in the Marine Corps. I don't know if you knew that, but um, so I I joined, went to boot camp, um, did combat training, and then I went to the fleet. And when I got to the fleet, I was so out of my element. I had never really left Western New York before. I was stationed in North Carolina, uh, right on the beach at uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and um, 
I didn't know anybody. I actually had joined later in life. I was I joined when I was 26, so nobody around me was um, nobody around me was really my age. I didn't have anything in common with them. So I I was a little depressed when I got there. And I actually remember it was probably like a week or two after I got to the fleet. Uh, I was a radio operator, and we went out to the beach to set up some some communications. And um, I just remember being out on the beach, and uh, some dolphins came swimming by, and they were jumping up out of the water and stuff. And the uh, the waves were coming in. There was birds flying by and everything. And um, it, it did it did wonders for my my uh, my mood. Like I, I just couldn't believe how much better I felt after that experience, just being outdoors and, and being able to take that in, you know. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, when when you don't have the opportunity to go outdoors, my second favorite thing, all right, like like when I need to get my mind out. To me, this is just me. That's music. Oh. Um, I'm a big country music guy. I don't really care for the stuff that talks about girls and trucks and crap. There's a lot of family ones and stuff, and so I love that. So, and a lot, a lot of time the outdoors and country music goes hand in hand. But you can listen to like go Google like just like these tunes. Like no, don't listen to the music with words and about like the tunes or stuff. And so that's awesome. But when you combine the two, when you're outdoors and you have this music playing, you know. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's primated stuff so um it's um, it definitely clears your mind so it's it's awesome i mean i could go on and on saying how awesome it is but it truly truly is i know you're a busy guy i've got a one one more topic i wanted to cover here uh, before we step away um, I actually have a, an excerpt that I pulled off your website and uh, I was just going to read that real quick and then I was going to talk about it. It says, uh, uh, as a 17-year-old uh, and being homeschooled, I had tons of time to waste, but I decided that I would not waste my teenage years playing video games or scrolling through my social media all day. Um, what I specifically wanted to talk about regarding it is is how you uh, continue to, to drive forward because I know that the technology is always there. You you have that opportunity to sit down and play that video game. You have that opportunity mm-hmm. on your iPhone to just whip it out and start scrolling through social media and, and uh, playing the phone games and everything else. You know the typical stuff that you see a teenager doing these days. Uh, how how do you keep the drive to um, keep pushing to to be successful? So I mean, for me, I get super bored. I, it might just be me. Now most teenagers are not like this. I get super bored when I watch. Uh, not TV. TV. Like, I'll watch TV and it doesn't like, I don't get bored from watching TV, but playing a video game or scrolling through social media, I get so bored. And when I'm scrolling through social media, I see like all these like moms holding their babies. I, this is me. I don't care. You know, I'm like, I don't know why teenagers sit here and scroll through this stuff all day. I'm like, I don't know how people find that exciting, but maybe you do, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But my, my you know, my genetics, just, I, I get bored. I'll play a video game with. I play video games sometimes in the evening with my family, and uh, and they like play a game like you know, there's this new one called Fortnite or whatever. Yeah, I'll play for like thirty minutes. So then after thirty minutes, I'm like, well, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, there has to be something more productive in this world to do than than play this. So I get horribly bored. Like when we go on family vacations and like we go on these family vacations and like we don't do anything. Kind of just bed. It's great for my dad and stuff and the other family members, but for me, I'm just like. And they're like watching TV and playing video games the entire time. I'm like, I'm so bored. What am I gonna do? And so a lot of times we go somewhere. There's like fish. That like the the hotel has a fishing. Like the the, the resorts have like fishing areas. So I'll do that the entire time. So that don't bug me. But for me, it's been very. I've been blessed. It's been very easy for me to avoid some of this. You know, 
non-productive technology. And so, of course, I'm going to be honest with you. I have to, because of my job, I spend more time. I mean, I don't know if it's more time. It's it, it's pretty equal, I guess, on my computer than I do outdoors. Because my, my, my job has, and plus being homeschooled, I've spent a lot of time on my computer too. But I just graduated, so I'm kind of happy about that. But I have to spend all this time on my computer programming and editing and hosting and being I, I do have to go on social media and promote stuff from a page by 160,000 members I have to constantly share on that I have to make sure my website's up to date I have to do the podcast post the podcast and as you know that can be somewhat frustrating especially when you're first getting started with a new podcast maybe you want to shoot yourself when you do that like I don't want to do this and right. so it took me forever to figure out how to set a podcast so I did everything I, mean, I don't I don't really, I don't really pay anybody to do anything. I just do it myself because I'm like, why not? I'll learn and figure that. And like today, I spent a lot of time working on my website. And I was messing with Google AdWords, which has been a pain. I hate paying for that because it doesn't work that well to me. Uh, I was messing with email campaigns and stuff, so I spent a lot of time with it. But um, I try to be productive with it, and so um, there's a balance. You have to balance productivity and um, you know time wasting, if you will. Who's the one with relaxing and watching TV show? I'm watching a TV show for the blacklist, and it's absolutely amazing james peter has to be the greatest actor in the entire world i mean that guy is amazing but uh it's fun to watch and uh, most of the time i watch it in the evening when the, when it's dark out and then everybody's off work and i can't do anything else and so if you want to enjoy tv you don't have to sacrifice your, your tv or cell phone uh in order to be outdoorsman you just have to find time to balance it to be outdoors during the day or in the mornings which is the best? It's cooler, and all the birds are starting to sing, and just the just the just the morning feel is absolutely stunning. And then, as the the day comes to an end, that's when you can kind of relax and uh, pull out your cell phones if you if you if if you want. And so, um, that's my opinion. You can balance it too. But for me, um, it, it's it's been difficult. To, it's not been difficult, but what has been difficult is trying to balance, like. Financially, I have to, since I'm turning 18 here in a few months, I have to figure out what, I have to get serious of what I have to do. So I, I had a part-time job at, um, I, I actually worked in a park at a boathouse. I actually just quit that. But um, it was incredibly difficult for me to balance the two. The outdoor, work, my outdoor work being outside, uh, working, and then, you know, spending some time, you know, watching TV with family or whatever. I had a lot, especially last month, it was really June since I was coming off a new book and stuff, I actually just quit um, that one job. So it's super hard for me to balance that. So you have to figure it out. I don't, I couldn't tell, I can't tell you how to do it because it took me forever to figure it out. And so, um, like I said, as a 17 year old, I, being homeschooled, I had tons and tons of ways because I mean, when I, I don't have to sit there for eight hours a day at school. But I decided to use that time and be productive with it instead of playing video games. Like I, I have a lot of homeschool friends and I love being homeschooled. Being, home, being homeschooled is a great advantage. But at the same time, they play a lot more video games than the average kid. So, um, at least in my opinion, they do. And so, uh, you know, you have to balance that. And I think being productive with your time is far greater than wasting it. Not, not that watching TVs around but, uh, or playing video games. But in 10 years, are you going to remember that experience being your buddy and Mario Kart or remembering the last episode of what happened in Blacklist? No. But what you will remember is taking your kid outdoors and watching them catch their first fish. And they will remember that for the rest of their lives. They won't remember that video game, but what they will remember 
It's the outdoor experience that I so much love and that you should love too. It builds great memories with the family and it's so productive and it's so healthy to go outdoors, both mentally and physically. It's just a great thing to do. And so I've made a passion of being, making it my career and my hobby. And so, um, quite frankly, it's super hard to do, but you know, it's a great place for me to be because I love the outdoors so much and it enables me to balance both of them quite easily. Being productive with my life, going outdoors, and then enjoying my evenings um, with my family, whether that's using technology. So anyway, that's up to you to figure out, but I decided that I would use my time wisely and try to be productive with it, whether that was me going outdoors or trying to make a career for myself. And so um, that's up for you to decide, but it's, uh, I say it a lot, it's fun stuff. And so um, comfort's a crush though. If you just sit there and play video games comfortably and doing nothing with your life and not being productive, that's a serious crush. And so I love your podcast title. I mean, I love it because it's like perfect. It goes around with my theme. My favorite Bible verse, one of my favorite Bible verses is redeeming the time for the days of evil, saving the time. So don't waste your time. Right. And so being yeah. comfortable is fine. There's times where you need to relax. Oh, yeah. But overall, I think most Americans, we've been so blessed to live in this great country. We have used it as a crutch and to not do anything. And um, I think we need to move past that, drop that crutch of comfort and uh, go do something and make this land the land of opportunity that it is. And so um, love the title. Love it. I saw it. And my man, the title's awesome, man. And so, um, it's, again, it's, it's fun stuff. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, all right. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to um, give everybody a way to uh, to follow you. Um, you know, your Facebook, your your Twitter handle, all that kind of stuff, so everybody knows where to find you. For sure. So, um, like I said, I have that new book coming out called "An Outdoorsman's Heart: The Outdoors Through My Eyes." That book is, all my opinion. Uh, there's a lot of things that I know a lot of people aren't going to like or step on a lot of toes, but it's my opinion. But if you're really into the outdoors and you want to hear the 17-year-old story again and you want to know the way he sees life, definitely the book for you because you guys listen to the 17-year-old David Hogg. I don't see why I can't have a voice, too. It's completely opposite of what David Hogg views. So my book is on pre-order now. It's, uh, it comes out August 1st, with some pre-order, I believe it's twelve ninety nine free shipping, uh, it's signed copy, so who's exciting, and then the forward, this is probably the most exciting part, but that will probably sell me the most copies, is that Phil and Al Robertson, the stars of Duck Dynasty, uh, Phil the patriarch, dad of the family, and Al the oldest son, are writing the forward to the book, so they'll be sharing their two cents worth in the book as well, so my opinion and their opinion matches up perfectly, so they're like, they're, they're really great guys. They're super nice to me, super inspirationally. When I interview a lot of people, like, oh, man, that's great, you know? Because that's what my sh- I have a show where I interview people, too. And they're like, oh, it's great that you're 17, yada, yada. And then after the interview's over, never, I never hear from them again unless I reach out. Well, with Al, Al Robertson, he decided to, uh, you know, he decided to, to stay updated on me. So I really appreciate that. But they're writing the forward, so that's exciting. So to pre-order that, you can go to www.blakealmabook.com. 
Alma spelled like Alma Mother, A-L-M-A, so BlakeAlmaBook.com, and Outdoorsman's Heart, you can check that out there. It's, uh, of course, to get that book, that financially helps me a lot, and so I'm in that transition now where I have to figure out if I can really make a, a full-time living. Now, I have a huge audience, but I just don't know how to monetize it, and the outdoor industry is super hard to monetize. There's, it's, it's, it's almost like, because everybody wants to be a full-time hunter. I mean, because who would want to be if you're a hunter, you know? So it's really hard to, to do that. I've been blessed. I've been able to do that fairly well. So um, I really would appreciate your support on my book. Anybody that listens to this at BlakeAllenBook.com. And so um, you get that there. You can get on my website to learn more about me and my background. Of course, you get my book too. So either or, you go to BlakeAlma.com. And uh, you can see some of the things I do, my TV show, radio show, books, and articles, and freelance writing, and websites, and blogs, and all that fun stuff. And then I'm on Facebook, too, uh, Blake Alma. You can add me as a friend. I probably won't respond to it because I have a lot of friend requests. But when you add me as a friend, you automatically follow me, and then you can see some of the stuff there. And so it's – I enjoy doing it, guys. And so I appreciate all of you guys' support. I appreciate you, Andrew, for having me on the show. Comfort is a crutch. Love the name. Thank you. Uh, I had a quick – couple follow-up questions and then then we'll get you out of here um i was wondering if you were uh starstruck the the guys from duck dynasty al robertson and and those guys uh did that kind of uh, throw you off a little bit when when they agreed to be on your show or or whatever yeah yeah so i've always been a duck dynasty fan before you know my times of becoming you know who i am now you know um before i did anything i mean like the first out after i went fishing on one time I fell in love with Doug Dynasty. I mean, it was almost immediately. And so I loved him. And I actually made like a, a fan blog page. And actually, they don't know this. So I might as well tell it here. They actually, Duck Dynasty actually sent me a letter saying you had, excuse me, Duck Commander sent me a letter saying you have to remove the site because it's copyright infringement. I was 13 at the time. So I didn't know what to do. So I had my dad take care of it. And he did. Nothing happened. But I've never told him that story. They're going to get a good laugh when I do. But um, I loved them. And so... My first Robertson was interview was uh, back in August last year with Reed Robertson, who is Jace Robertson's son. So he's like 24. And, you know, I had this, you know, I wasn't nervous um, necessarily because he wasn't like, even though he wasn't like, I, I hate saying this, he wasn't the most famous of them all. But, and I had experience interviewing, you know, 100 plus other people before. And so I wasn't nervous, but I was stoked to actually interview a Robertson. So I felt so privileged. But then I asked his dad on the show, all right? And I actually, I'm not going to give his email away, obviously, but I actually, I guessed his email. I guessed it. Like, yeah. I didn't know what it was. I guessed it. I just guessed it. Because I got an email from another debt commander, and I just did the math and, you know, guessed it. It was right. Got a read receipt, and then he responded a few minutes later saying, I'd love to. And so that was awesome. And so... That opened up me interviewing Jace Robertson. Then uh, I got off Al Robertson, and then we just made a connection, and uh, we we stayed in contact, which led to me getting hold of his, uh, he got hold of his dad for me, and we we I done the interviews with him. So yes, I was pretty starstruck. So they're easily uh, one of my all-time favorite people, and so I've never met them, but I've done I've talked to them several times. And so there was uh, back in February. I interviewed a lot of people in person. I don't interview – all my stuff is phone interviews or Skype or whatever. So it's rare that I do it in person, but I, I got to do Ted Nugent in person. And uh, that was probably the most nervous interview I've ever done because um, even though he says some profane things that I don't agree with, uh, his profanity, I agree with most of his political views. Um, you know, it was just like – I was like, 
and all of Ted Nugent. I mean, it was right there yeah. in front of the guy, and he accepted my interview because I contacted his agent because he was at this expo that I was at. I mean, I'm sitting right next to the guy who, you know, I look up to because I'm the same person. I'm, I'm, I'm not a rock star, but I'm a big hunter, and I'm a big, you know, political ad- advocate, if you will. And so, I mean, I was right next to the guy. So that was that was, that was was quite the experience for me. And uh, that was probably the most nervous interview I've ever done. And so there's this comfort of being over the phone that you don't get that nervous. But I wasn't that nervous to interview Ted Nugent, but it was the most nervous I've ever been. Um, I My first few episodes, when I first started my podcast back in 2015 or 16, 2015, 16, I don't remember, 2016, um, my first few interviews, I was just nervous because I didn't know how to do it. And so that was those pretty nervous times too. But I, I guess I got better at it because I've interviewed I don't know, two other people now. And so, um, yeah, I, I was pretty starstruck when I got hold of the Robertsons and Ted Nugent, just amazing interviews. And so that was quite the honor. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't belabor that, but it's, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting when it happened. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, the other thing I was going to quick ask was, um, uh, I know that uh, you're doing the signed copies of the books. Are is it weird to have people want your autograph on on your book? Uh, I I couldn't imagine being in that position. It's got to be a little weird. Oh, it is because like I got them these messages and text messages and Facebook and all this like, hey, um, I'm gonna sign copy. Want to sign copy? You're in comments all over Facebook. Hey, I want to sign copy. I'm like, okay. I'm like, great. Okay. I don't know how I'm gonna do that. And so I just got did some math and I figured it out. So. There's a market for it. So I think it's a weird. I've always thought, I mean, I'm just like, okay, you want to pay a few extra bucks to, to have me sign it? And the reason why it costs extra bucks because I have to order a bunch of copies, and I have to sign the copies, and then reship them out. And so, I mean, it costs me extra money instead of just having the publisher do it. And so, um, you know, to me it's weird, a little weird. But I'm like, oh, okay, well, people like it. So I'm like, okay, what, what is a few extra bucks to sign a piece of paper? Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hey, it works. It works. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, thanks again for being on the show. It, it it's been a, a really good conversation. I, I enjoyed it very much. No, thanks for having me. This was another episode of the Comforts of Crush podcast. Uh, if you have a moment and you enjoyed the show, uh, please put in a review on whatever service you're using. It helps uh, try to gather more listeners. And as always, stay motivated and stay positive.